We'll be searching high and low on the deck and down below. But it's a crying shame. Oh, we'll see a lot of fish, but we'll never clock a dish. We ain't gonna see a damn. No days. We might see some octopuses. No days. Or a half a dozen clams. No days. We might even see a mermaid. But mermaids got no damn. No games. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Hey, What You Watching, the weekly podcast where Marcelo Pico and I discuss the films. We've been watching. This is episode 47. Podcasts don't apply. And I'm your host, Matt Curione. With me as usual is... Hey, it's your co-host, Marcelo Pico. How you doing, Matt? Uh, I'm fine. <laughs> we, um, tell, tell the people, because you, you talked about this uh, earlier, well, off mic before we recorded, why you're, such, why you're in, a, uh, in such a bummer of a mood. Because I didn't get to eat my lunch because my dog ate my sandwich. <laughs> this this is something that actually happened in real life. This is not a joke. It did. It's not something that you saw in a cartoon that you saw earlier, okay? No, I walked away for two two minutes to go get, like, a drink, and then th- my sandwich was gone. Uh, and you saw your dog eating it, right? He was licking the plate. Yes. <laughs> well, he, he ate the whole thing. Half a sandwich. I had already eaten half of it. Oh, man. So, man. And then he ate my hat. He ate my favorite hat. <laughs> that 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 didn't it's, happen. That that didn't it, happen. Oh, I'll send you a picture of it. It fucking happened. <laughs> Are you living with a cartoon dog? Is this? Is <laughs> I think he is. I don't know. Like a Marmaduke or something? Is he living with <laughs> Jesus, he's not that big. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, besides that, I mean, you're doing fine, right? This <laughs> After that, yeah, I'm doing pretty okay. Today's a good day. Let, let's give people and oh one thing I should mention um, and one thing yes. I have, one thing I should have mentioned to you uh, before we started recording is since we've launched the website uh, mm-hmm. it's been now we <laughs> I I, uh, I edited uh, last week's episode and put it out um, uh, yesterday and I listened back to it and <laughs> we had a conversation we had an argument Matt in the beginning of that episode I'm sure you remember about whether it was two weeks. Uh, yeah. Uh, since the website launched, back when we recorded that day. Okay, Matt. Yes. Now it's been two weeks today. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, it hasn't been a week and a half. It hasn't been you know you know ten days. It's been a week. Uh, sorry, two weeks since the website has launched. So, and I could and I will say that our ratings have improved since the website launched. Since we started posting these episodes on the website, so we might have some new listeners. That's right? awesome. Yeah, our SoundCloud numbers have gone up. Our iTunes numbers have gone up. It's 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 all looking Millhouse uh, on our end. So <laughs> everything's coming up Millhouse. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh Bart. Uh, anyway, uh, how are you today? I'm fine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I I don't know. I, I saw a movie. I had some breakfast tacos and. Now I'm I'm here. I went to go buy breakfast cat tacos. Oh man, this is going to be another thing now between us. Uh, I mean, for people who I don't mean, know, I've heard of breakfast burritos. <sighs> what okay. what's a breakfast taco? Is this like what is it? It's just it's the same thing. It's breakfast burritos, but for some reason we call it breakfast tacos here in Texas. Okay, it's it's the same thing. Breakfast burritos. It's like but a, but a breakfast taco taco is open. What do you mean open? Well, you know how a taco is open? No. A, and a burrito is closed? 
Yeah, okay. A breakfast taco here, it's closed. It's a soft uh, So a tor- it's a breakfast tortilla. burrito. Yeah, but it's a breakfast taco, okay? It no, doesn't make not. any sense. <laughs> no, I know that. it doesn't. It's just it's my just brain tur- hurts. It's just a turn of phrase, okay? It, it, we just call it breakfast tacos for no reason. We should, we should turn that phrase back around. No, it's never going to be called breakfast burritos. Be here. the change you want to see in the world. I'm never Marcello. going to call it breakfast burritos. It, they're breakfast tacos, okay? That's a Texas thing. I'm sorry, Matt. And also, we yeah. have we have uh, meat here that you may not know of. We have barbacoa. Do you know what that is? Yes. Okay, good. You know about I've that. I've eaten at a Chipotle. I, <laughs> I know what these things are. Jesus. I, but I, I eat like real barbacoa, okay, from a from a real, you know, Mexican food place. Oh, because okay. yours doesn't have E. coli in it. Aren't you fancy? <laughs> Jesus. Do you also want to talk about the, the, the Taco Bell stuff we, we were talking about off mic since we're talking about food? Oh, my God. That steakhouse burrito? It's disgusting, isn't it? It's awesome. <laughs> See, now we're becoming too much of a real podcast at this point. This is like, this is like way too... And also, our guest, I think, is slamming on his on his keyboard right now. We can hear it. <laughs> what so. is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just be mindful of that, guest. Uh, we can hear you yes. slamming on your keyboards. <laughs> I'm sorry. So it, it's fine. Vigorously typing. <laughs> Matt, uh, I think that's a good sign for us to stop the small talk in the beginning and get onto the show. <laughs> I was having a good time. Uh, it's fine. The, the Steakhouse Burrito from Taco Bell is insane. Uh, it's got bacon in it. Because there's no reason. of course, there's and now there's a phone. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> this is all staying in. Guest, please turn off your phone. Sorry, I forgot. I just forgot this was there. Uh, hang on, I'll just put it in another room for now. <laughs> this, is, this this is going well. <laughs> So welcome to the show. This is the show where we discuss movies. Most 2016, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 2016. Uh, episode. 47. Nothing is immune. Um. So Matt, for this show in which we discuss movies. <laughs> sorry for sorry for all the mishaps right there. It's fine. It's fine. We're we're, we're gonna move on. We're gonna press forward. Matt. Yeah. It's time yes. for your patented mm-hmm. riddle corner. What are yes. we going to be discussing on the show this week? Well, this week on Matt's Riddle Corner, that's the segment of the show where I give cryptic clues about what we'll be discussing. We'll be talking about Dick Tracy in Hollywood. And we will also be talking about Tom Hanks on Fire. And then we're going to talk about the little boy from the room. And then we're going to be talking about uh, some animals that are alive at night. And then we're going to hang out with uh, Robert Zemeckis and Jodie Foster. And then we're going to uh, go to a halftime show. And then we're going to go back into a computer game. And then we're going to talk about a lovely redhead from Parts Unknown. And then we're going to talk about something else that's red. And then we're not going to, we're going to hold our breath for like 10 minutes. And then we're going to eat a lot of pudding. So much pudding, our stomachs are going to explode. And then we're going to hang out with some communists in old school Hollywood. And that's our show. Uh, again, I mean, thanks now- for listening, everyone. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Classic. Epi- put that in the canon of great episodes uh, in, in, in the hate cast history. Um, mm-hmm. hey, you know, speaking of which, I mean, fifty episodes. We're we're, we're coming up close. Uh, oh my goodness, it's happening soon. I know. Uh, we we're doing pretty good. Like I said, our ratings are improved. Uh, hello, new listeners, if you're out there. Uh, Howdy. Uh, this this is this is. I mean, we're we're finding our our, our steps in this podcast game. I think I think we're doing pretty well. We're, we're professionals. We're, we're, we're pretty good at uh, getting these out consistently, you know. Yeah, we stick to a schedule, and we have an idea of what we're doing. 
Yeah, some idea. Um, yeah, we're pros. Yeah, I mean, what's what's that adage where you have to do something in a certain amount of time to become like a professional? Like you have like, to do something forty-seven times before 40. you become a professional. <laughs> yes. yes, only forty-seven times. Only forty-seven. I mean, come on, that's 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 decent. So now we are professionals. We can call ourselves professionals. Yes. Um, speaking of professionals, we can now professionally introduce our guest, Matt. Yes, who, with who hopefully no week? more mishaps. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Uh, our guest this week is uh, my friend Jamie Rebinal. Uh He's a writer for Talk Film Society, uh, amongst other things. Uh, how you doing, Jamie? Uh, I'm doing good, Matt. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Jamie, for coming and, on. I'm not actually uh, bo- both excited and nervous for how this, this is going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we we joke, Jamie, but I I mean, uh, how long have we been, have we been doing this, Matt? Like a year and a half now. About that, yeah. About that, yeah. And uh, well, uh, you and I doing the podcast thing. Me, I've been doing it for over two years. The podcast thing, and I can tell you. I don't feel like a professional at all. I feel like I'm just getting started. So I'm, I think I'm just, no, I'm not just as nervous as you, Jamie, obviously not, but I, I do feel, you know, some nervousness every time I do this, Matt, it's, it's, it's stressful to, to talk, uh, consistently for, and sound, you know, rational, sound smart. It's a struggle, Matt. I don't don't know how you do it, but, uh, sometimes, uh, I'm always on. (laughs) <laughs> That's never, how I'm never on. I have to be on the way, podcast. Marcelo. The way I talk to you on this show is how I talk to human beings I encounter in the real world. And see, I am I'm more, insufferable. I'm I'm more of an introvert, so I don't you know talk to many people like at, like like I do on this show. I talk to I mean I have friends who I do that with, but usually not like this. I mean this me- for me this is like my weekly output. And, and especially movie stuff, you know, I, I don't really have anybody to talk to when it comes to that. So, this. Is- meanwhile, meanwhile, I'm the asshole who'll strike up a conversation in line at Target. So that's I, me. I can't do that. Uh, m- maybe that's why. I, maybe that's why my, I have you on this show because you're that type of person. Because I am not. I am the complete opposite. I don't want anybody talking to me in real life, <laughs> and I don't keep my mouth shut. <laughs> The best is when me. people think I work at Target and ask for movie recommendations when I'm looking at Blu-rays. <laughs> and, and and what do you do at that point? Do you say? Do you oh, say, this no, actually, this actually, this no, this actually happened about about eight months ago when uh, this woman had the Kingsman Blu-ray in her hand, and she's like, "Should I see this? Is it good?" I was like, "No, put that down. It's terrible." And she did, <laughs> and she walked away. It was great. God damn it, Matt! I I, I did I, would... I did the Lord's work that day. It was uh... wonderful. I would have recommended to her right there. I saved then. that woman. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, what are we doing? Okay, Jamie. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm, glad, I'm glad you're still here. Um, I, I'm, I'm always here. <laughs> why don't we turn to you, okay? We, uh, enough about us, Matt. Let's, let's get to know our guest. Yes, the, our regular segment called Get to Know Ya, where we do a little Voight comp test and find out if our guest is a human being or a robot sent from the future. Well, are you sure about that? <laughs> you wanted to check if I were human. Please do this throughout the entire episode. Just, 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 just turn the just turn the tortoise over. That's all I ask. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just could. I just couldn't resist. <laughs> All right. Uh, I ask this uh, of every guest. Uh, what is the first film you remember seeing in a movie theater? Um, the first movie I remember seeing in a movie theater was Finding Nemo. Oh, fantastic. 
it still um it it still just has a special place in my heart so I even if it were even if I know I would put a few other Pixar films over it like Toy Story this one just I have to put I have such a strong attachment to it because of that sole reason alone I think I, I think I've mentioned it on the show before that, but that still is my favorite uh, Pixar film. Oh, great choice! I, <laughs> I, 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 I some I was the thing is um, after seeing uh, Finding Me with my ne- the next one I saw in theaters was not so much of an experience I would want to remember. <laughs> what was I that? saw Cat in the Hat. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, uh, other than being shot by Lubetsky, it's uh, it's a write off. <laughs> yeah, I what well, back well, back then I liked it. But I was clearly just so clueless. <laughs> Marcelo, do you uh, have a question? Yeah, uh, how about this, uh, JB? Let's see. I always uh, think of these on the fly, um, and I'm never good at it. Uh, Oh, don't put yourself down. No, um, how about this? Here's, I mean, since we're nearing the end of the year, um, it's now December, December 1st. Uh, Jamie, what is a film that you think should uh, deserve more recognition uh, now that people are making their best of lists and handing out awards? Um, like a smaller film that you think uh, more people should see from this year? Hmm, if I had, there are so many that I. Uh... There's something I can pick on the spot, but if I had to pick just one that comes to my mind right now, it would be Kelly Richard's Certain Woman. Have either of you seen it? Uh, I, I have no, not. No, but I really want to. Yeah, I want to, too. Oh my god. It's so it's so great. I've been a fan of Kelly Richard for the longest time already, because if, if either of you seen, haven't seen Wendy and Lucy, I just cannot recommend it enough, because it just broke my heart the first time I saw it, and oh my god, I just can't. I just can never get that ending out of my head. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've heard a lot of good stuff about certain women, women, not woman, um, hmm. and and that's one I need to. See. I, like that one, I lost track of. I'm not sure if it it opened uh, around here and just closed before I had had a chance to see it. Or, I mean, Jamie, do you know if that'll be available like on VOD anytime soon, or if it's already available? Uh, see, I don't know. I think it's all. I think it's already out on VOD. I'm not too sure. Yeah, we, we should have Matt. We should like invest in like a researcher, you know, an an, inter, an intern or somebody to look up facts throughout the show. <laughs> I could, yeah, okay, I'll I'll get around to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, certain women put that on your list, how, people. How about you, Marcelo? What's a uh, film that you think people should notice? Towards oh, the end of the year? I'm very glad you asked me this question because this is one I brought up to people on Twitter this morning and to our associate editor on TalkFromSociety.com. Uh, too late. I've talked about it on this show. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. It's uh, starring John Hawks. Um, it was, or I mean, it is a movie uh, from. It, I, I saw it first last year at Fantastic Fest, and it was released this year. Um, and it had a very limited theatrical run because the director wanted it to be screened in 35mm because it was shot in 35mm. Aha. Uh-huh. And uh, it split up into five reels, and each reel is one long take. And oh, nice. It's it's Ooh. a wonderful movie. Uh, I mean, seeing it on Netflix, of course, I mean, you still get that magic of 
the love of film there because that's what the movie's about. It's it's about the love of film and about this uh, tragic love story b- between John Hawks and the stripper. Um, and it's I mean it, it's going to be in my top ten. I know that for sure. And it's like I said, it's on Netflix right now. So people listening, like I, I told you to do this a few weeks ago when it came out on iTunes and, and Amazon, but hey, now it's on Netflix. So now but Amazon more- and iTunes are a lot of work. But I, <laughs> Netflix is easy. I mean, Netflix is easy. Just open up your Netflix, and there it is. You don't have to. I mean, if you're paying for the the subscription anyway, so just type in T O O L A T E in your browser, and there you go. That's Tulati. Because <laughs> of course we can say like other ones, like uh, I don't know what else. I mean, Matt. I mean, let's turn the question to you. Which you know film uh, do you want more people to see? Uh, I'd like people to at least visit uh, Cafe Society again. Um, that's a movie that is currently it's been sitting in my top ten since I first saw it uh, over the summer, uh, and it's just a really, really entertaining uh, love and gangster story, and uh, I can't get enough of that thing. And that's the Woody Allen movie, right? With mm-hmm. uh, yes. Kristen Stewart and yes. Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, a little uh, adventure oh, Adventureland uh, reunion. I had a lot of fun with that one. Yeah, see, that one I haven't seen yet, and I have to see it. I mean, I'm behind it's, on Alan. Uh, I haven't seen last aren't year. Aren't we all? <laughs> and I think it's I think it's his birthday I, today. Yeah, ah, yeah there Happy you go. birthday. Happy birthday, guy. Uh, how happy birthday, now? Machine. He's like 80? Machine who makes a movie a year. Yeah, I think he is. He's pretty old. 85? I don't know. Anyway. Ah, oh, Jesus. Uh, Matt, do you have another question? Um... Hmm. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't be hard up for questions, Matt. You, I am so bad. You ask uh, essentially the same ones every week. I know. It's not. A, it's not a uh, bad thing. I mean, that's <laughs> this is your segment, Matt. Okay. Um. <clears throat> wh- I don't know. <laughs> wow, Matt, I'm like okay. really drawing a blank here, Matt. You Help always me. ask. You always ask. Um, what is the film that made you get into films? Yes, that one. Jamie, what is the movie that made you get into movies and start to take them seriously? Well, um, when I was about uh, 10 years old, I caught Psycho playing on TV. and I still, Oh, wow. I still remember what, just the impact that the shower scene left upon me. The, just just uh, from... Uh, oh, my God. I, I don't really know where to begin when I want to talk about how it just kick-started my love of film. Just... It, and it's just—it's not my favorite Hitchcock, but oh my god! <laughs> sorry, sorry, if I'm, sorry if I'm coming up a, a bit nervous right there. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, Psycho is—it's uh, terrific. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I mean, um, let me ask you this, Jamie. Like, what, what, what elements really stuck out to you in Psycho? I mean, if, is it was it like the obvious like shower scene, or, or was it just the well, performance? There's that. Well, there's that, and just uh, Norman Bates as a character. Just um, it, I've never seen any anyone who is just as demented as Norman Bates was before on film. And that, then I saw Psycho, and I was like, oh my god, I this just. I just can't get. I just can't even get him out of my head from then on. Yeah, Vince Vaughn's great in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm sorry. 
Hey, that that movie is uh, it's I I'm not gonna. It's not like a real movie. Uh, Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Okay, it's not at it's all. purely an experiment. Okay. Yes, it is, and, and uh, I will and I will be purchasing it when the Scream Factory Blue comes out next year. I as well because because I'm a completist. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm interested to see. I mean, have, have they have they announced the the special features on that? I'd like I would like to no, see. not yet. Uh, I mean, it's been on. Is it on Universal Blu-ray, or is, is it the first time it's going to be on Blu-ray? This is the first time it's on Blu-ray, yeah. Okay. I don't know what special features were on the DVD. Um, uh, I don't know if there was a Gus Van Sant commentary, but I, I like I think hear. there was like a Rob Zombie music video. What? Was it? <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. What a time uh, 1999 was. Or 98. Was it 98? I think 98. It was 98, yeah. 98. Yeah, 98. Uh, strange. Oof. Uh, anyway. But yeah, I think we got to know Jamie. <laughs> yes, I think we got to know Jamie. I mean, yes, uh, I think we've covered everything about your life that we wanted to know. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and now it's time to get serious and discuss the yes. movies we've watched in the last week or so. Alrighty. So, Matt, where to begin? I mean, I mean, for a podcast like this, we have to abide by a certain set of rules, right? The rules don't apply, Marcel. <laughs> Speaking of which, I was I was gonna see that on Tuesday, but we were supposed to record then, and I I ended up not buying a ticket on on there because uh, it was supposed to be it was a discount Tuesday. So, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. How was it, Matt? Yeah, Matt. Let's let's start with you because Matt. Uh, watched it and I watched it. Um, we, yeah, no, you know what? I'm not going to say it until it happens. So, Matt, you go first. Okay, I saw this um, on Tuesday morning. Uh, I was uh, one of uh, maybe 15 people in the theater, and it's definitely a movie that happened in front of me for a little over two hours. Um, I had been very excited for this over the years uh, about. Six years ago, there were rumors that, oh, Warren Beatty's plotting a comeback. Uh, he's finally going to do his Howard Hughes uh, picture where he's going to play the, uh, you know, the elderly Howard Hughes, the the guy who was, you know, a recluse and lived in a penthouse suite in the, in Las Vegas. And, and then the trailer dropped. And... I noticed, much like everyone else did, if you even saw a trailer for this thing, that, oh, it's it's a romance now, and Howard Hughes is a side character. This is disappointing. I'm still going to give it a chance, though. So I gave it a chance, and uh, it's definitely a movie. <laughs> it's definitely a movie that I was bored with. Incredibly oh. bored with. Um, yeah. Uh, the performances are good, I guess. Uh, it's very pretty. It's nice to look at. Uh, it has a very nice title song. Um, yeah. I waited for this. And that's... Hello. Uh, now it's my turn? Okay. So... Uh, I'll also say I liked Matthew Broderick in it. He was great, and so was Oliver Platt, but he's always great. So... Yeah, it's a movie. How it's, does one not like Oliver Platt? To be fair, <laughs> I don't know. It's not. It's it's scientifically impossible to not like Oliver Platt. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a movie. I don't know. I exp- I wanted it to be better. Uh, I I watched funny fun, funnily enough, including this, I watched two Oliver Platt movies on the big screen this week. 
Oh, nice. We'll be discussing the other one later. Um, uh, now, now, I mean, are, are you done, Matt? Are you done with your with your take on rules don't apply? I mean, also we should say uh, your review of rules don't apply is up on talkfromsociety.com. It is. Yeah. So if you want, you know, a more in depth look at uh, Matt's uh, disapproval, my, my th- of yeah, rules don't apply. You can read that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, go there I've and just, uh, I read that. I haven't seen it yet, but I just heard there are so many weird things that go on in that movie in in regards to Warren Beatty and Lily Collins, but I've heard they were spoilers too, so I'm not gonna I I don't want to ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. I will say but, that numerous times during the movie they do remind you that the title of the movie is Rules Don't Apply. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. This better be something. It's something. Okay. Now... Matt, you finished with your take? Now, yeah, I'm done. Yeah. It's my turn. Okay. I really like this movie. I what? Do. I do. How? Uh, I uh, Oh my gosh. I think Beatty's Howard Hughes is great. Uh, uh I, I was okay. like encaptured by his performance throughout. There's like a a layer of mystery in the beginning when uh, oh my gosh! Who are the two leads? Uh, that, that the guy, the Harrison Ford guy, who was in Hail Caesar. Enric uh, 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 and uh, Phil Collins's daughter. Yeah. Oh, that's Phil Collins's daughter. Oh, Lily Collins. Yeah. Okay. So Enric yeah. uh, e- e- and Collins. So yeah, uh, Enric is the is the is, is a chauffeur trying to be like a. A big, a big shot in Hughes' yeah. company, and then there's there's that mystery in the beginning, where yeah, you know there's a mystery Howard Hughes like, doesn't show up in his own movie for about forty five minutes. Yeah, which is great. I love that. He's he, not a shark from Jaws. It, 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 of course, like the romance is up front in the beginning, and of course, Beatty, uh, his Hughes character is to the side. But then, when and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to spoil anything. But when shit hits the fan, okay, Hughes' character is up front, and it's, it just it it just becomes like chaos. Like you're following Hughes through like his wheelings and dealings, and it just doesn't make any sense. But that is Howard Hughes. Exactly. Like, that, is, that that is his later career in a nutshell. The man had crippling OCD. He should make sense. He, I mean, it, it, it's it's a disaster, and I appreciate that because it you know, sure is. <laughs> yeah, so I I love that aspect of the film where it just throws aside the romance because it could have just been a a a boring uh, by the numbers romance, but it doesn't do that. Uh, something happens right in the middle that you're like, oh, okay, uh, that seems kind of you know not what I expected, and yeah, uh, it just follows Hughes and. Uh, I mean, I mean, whatever your interpretation of what a Hughes character should be, Matt's uh, Warren Bates is Hughes. I think it, it's it's its own thing. It can't be his own thing. Like the like the opening title, like the opening scrawl says, it's a direct uh, quote from Hughes. Uh, Never look up an interesting fact. I think it's what it is. Uh, yes. And then in, in the parenthetical, it says, uh, you know, names and dates uh, and everything has been changed in this movie. So this is Beatty's. Uh, in infatuation with the Hughes character, and I think his character, his Hughes character, is very, very interesting. I, I, I really, I was not bored throughout the entire thing, and it, it plays a lot with. Uh, there's like, there's like five themes running through the movie. It's a mess. Uh, I was trying to write something earlier comparing this to like Howard Hughes' Spruce Goose, 
where it's just so heavy in characters and themes and it's just so much shit going on, but I think it ultimately works. Okay. You can thank the editors for that. Uh, the 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 four editors the beginning on this thing is like so sporadic that I think he was trying to replicate like Hughes's like eccentric character, like, which would have what, worked if Hughes was in those scenes. Yeah, but he's not. So I mean, exactly. And then you know those problems kind of subside, and there are maybe like one or two scenes that are kind of like weird to me. But overall, it's like the, the editing problems that people complain about are, are like. Way too blown out of proportion for my for my you know take. Uh, it happens early on. It's like very it's like it's what's the right word? It's it's shocking that certain scenes just abruptly end. And I was like, what? Okay, that's weird. Uh, it what was also weird was seeing Bullworth for the first time a few months ago. Sorry, a few that's weeks a good ago. movie. The editing in that is terrible. It is not well, good yes. at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I actually had to look it up. I was like, is this like a like, was this uh, uh, Warren Beatty's version of the movie, or did the studio cut it up? But no, it's his version. He has a weird, like, editing technique where he just, like, jumps from scene to scene without, like, regard with, uh, like, um, a st- like, a steady conscious stream. It's weird. And I think that is, is here, but not as 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 crazy as, as Bullworth. It's I an interesting... Oh, go, go, go ahead, Jamie. I still remember feeling uh, something like that when I watched uh, Reds because it because uh, at wo- at some points we have um, from what I re- from what I remember of it at least we have some points that are clearly just a narrative and then it just abruptly cuts to a- to an interview and yeah. it's just kind of jarring. Yeah, exactly. That's like, the that's the word jarring. Some of it. Uh, and like Borth and some of it here, it's jarring. But I think that's just I don't know. I, call me crazy, but I refreshing is not the right word. I just like that like Beatty is so brazen in editing that he just he's like okay, let's just cut like mid sentence and just move from scene to scene in quick su- uh, a succession. It's it's just I guess his style, and I'm like okay, so maybe and this is this is gonna be stupid. What I'm gonna say next? Maybe the rules don't need to apply to Warren Beatty. Okay. Hey, that's the name of the movie, <laughs> of which you are reminded about forty times during the movie. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it deals with like religion and what else? Love, sex, all that. Hollywood, uh, the, the 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 deity, celebrity making of Hollywood. And some of it works, some of it doesn't. But uh, I don't know. I find I found it very I find it very interesting, very interesting. And yeah, I, I couldn't turn away from it. So I I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's very good. Um, that's why Santa with the rules don't apply. Uh, I liked it uh, a lot. So I was I was surprised by that after hearing some. I'm also very surprised. Yeah. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean. <sighs> The cast is insane. Uh, the cast is really good when they're given something interesting to do. Yeah, they're just like side characters. I, I mean, I guess Beatty. What either happened was Beatty wanted to fill in these roles with like his friends, and they they, they just did him a favor. Or like, there's just more, a lot more of this movie that got cut out. Like, there's maybe like a four-hour version because uh, who was it that's in like oh, the kitchen save scene? Me. With uh oh god uh with with uh Broderick uh, no it's not Broderick uh isn't uh Ed Harris is in the movie for like thirty seconds he shows up for like thirty seconds yeah and I'm and like I'm like what the hell are you doing here it's weird 
And I don't know if there was more to his character or if there were scenes cut out. But yeah, some of that is super, super odd. Um, but hey, like I said, that's that's my biggest gripe is just those characters sidelined into nothingness. Um, but overall, I, I had a good time. I had a really good time. Uh, I, I, I do remember feeling uh, feeling a lot of that with uh, Beatty's first film, Heaven Can Wait. Yeah. So. Oh maybe, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's his thing. I mean, yeah. I I have to go back and, and watch and rewatch a lot of his films. Um, I mean, like, for, for as much as I like I like to shit talk on Bullworth, I still think it's a very interesting movie. But the editing of that just was bizarre to me. It was so insane. So I, that's one reason why I wanted to see Rose Don't Apply because people were, were like, "Oh, the editing in that is is also bad." I was like, you know, I I I I have, a, I have an affection for editing and. And I would like to see, you know, how bad this can get. And it's it's weird, but there are like maybe one or two scenes that are purely terrible. But you know, overall, it's it's fine. So that's my take. Okay, uh, I'm done. So sorry, Matt, to disappoint, but uh, I I like rules. No, I'm not disappointed. I'm just fascinated. <laughs> I yeah. So now, okay, folks listening, you have two takes, and now. Go see Rules Don't Apply or do not go see it. Uh, go see I, something else. Or see Rules Don't Apply before it leaves the This This will be on Netflix in like three weeks. Go see it then. <laughs> it's fine. Go see it on a big screen. You won't be disappointed. Uh, if you or watch it on your phone. No. <laughs> do that. Because you'll get the same effect. <laughs> David Lynch says no. Folks listening. And then Warren, and then Warren Beatty called David Lynch a pussy. <laughs> who who called him a pussy? The, uh, Warren Beatty. I'm, oh, I'm Warren? making that up. That's fake. Okay, okay. He didn't really say that. We don't want to put that out there. That's like slander, I think. We don't want to get sued by Warren Beatty. <laughs> Warren Beatty listens <laughs> to podcasts. Warren Beatty would probably give me a high five. He'd be like, yeah, I don't like that guy. <laughs> but okay. What would David Lynch say about that? I like yeah, cheese. <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway... Um, Let's move on to what I've heard is a bad movie, but it stars a really good guy. Uh, tell us about Inferno, Jamie. Oh, boy. I, um, when I uh, saw a trailer for Inferno, I was thinking to myself about how they've gone this far with uh, Robert Langdon. And the thing is, we don't even know a thing about him, and we're already three films into this series. Because like, when I yeah, saw yeah. When I first saw the Da Vinci Code, I just... Oh my god, that was one of the first times I remember I actively slept through most of the movie. Like, <laughs> oh my god, that was so... <laughs> I, I heard it was so controversial back when I saw, it, uh, saw the trailers for it, and I read part of the book, which I really didn't like. And then when I saw, then when I saw the movie, just to see why everyone was getting so worked up over it, I said, ah, this is so boring. Then, when we uh, saw Angels and Demons uh, came out, I thought, uh, hey, with David Cup writing the script, it will at least be less boring than what Akiva Goldsman wrote for, for the Da Vinci Code. And what I got, it was better by a little bit. And that said, it was just really, really fucking ridiculous. And so, by the time we moved on to Inferno, 
was like, Tom Hanks, Felicity Jones, why are you doing this? You, you're not, you're not gonna go down this slow just to try to turn Robert Langdon into some sort of an iconic character, like, I don't know, Jason Bourne, Indiana Jones, a lot. I don't even know. I don't even know why Ron Howard just keeps uh, keeps making the is if he's not even gonna make Robert Langdon any interesting of a of a character. Well, Bryce wants a boat, <laughs> so clearly he's gonna make the big blockbuster so he can buy Bryce a boat. I guess there's that. Well, she was in Pete's Dragon this year too, which was decent. I still need to see that. It was. Uh... It was decent, I'll give it that. Although, by the time it went to the second half, it just practically turned into E.T. <laughs> I, I kid you not, it has so many of the beats that, of Beast Dragon just turned into E.T. in the second half. I, I Marcel, liked... you, you there? Okay, yeah, good. No, I, I was going to say, I liked Peach Dragon a lot, actually. Uh, I, I, uh, I appreciated it. The uh, the etiness of it, uh, it, it it's and it's also not like very like it's like a kid it's one of those kids movies for adults so um, and I appreciate that and it's a good soundtrack um, and yeah, the soundtrack the soundtrack's awesome yeah um, and as uh, as a uh, my opinion for the uh, for the what's who uh, what's his name what's Tom Hanks' character's name. Robert, Robert Langdon. Langdon. Robert Langdon. As as for the Robert Langdon series, it's they're pieces of crap. So um, that's pretty much. I mean, I, I mean, I saw Da Vinci Code. I liked it. Uh, Angels of Demons was okay. I just have no interest in this. No, I'm. I, don't I just want. Uh, I want a movie about a retired Robert Langdon who needs help with like a crossword puzzle. I oh, think that would be lots of fun. That would be actually interesting for once. Like he asks, you know, he asks like Jerry down the hallway, like, uh, what, what's, what's a four-letter word for Bible? And then, then he could tell him it's book, and then, you know, the movie would be ending. It'll be over. End of series. Are you writing this, Matt? I'm oh. gonna, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna take notes so I can write this into my own script. <laughs> <laughs> this should be a movie. So that was Inferno. Uh, Do not watch Inferno. What a good time. (laughs) See it. uh, Double feature that and rules don't apply. Um, Do that, folks. Uh, So, uh, you know. Or just set your head on fire. Either way, that's cool. Don't go out (laughs) to see a movie. Uh, Why not be a shut in? Tell me about this one. Tell me uh, about shut in. Actually, um, okay. I don't know much about it, actually. And I I, I did see it. But you saw it. (laughs) I don't know much about it. It's one of those that just. Uh, usually I'm good, okay, at keeping track of what what's coming out and uh, and what new movies are on the horizon. This I had no awareness of, absolutely none. Shut in. Um, and I think I saw like a trailer for it like, a month have, ago, and that I was might have it. seen a trailer for it and thought it was something else. Uh, I might have gotten it confused with that one stupid looking movie, uh, Bye Bye Man. Um, oh, the Slender Man movie. Yeah, that looks dumb. Where they're going to make the Bye Bye Man instead of, you know, just making a Slender Man movie. Well, uh, HBO... What, ki- what kind of title even is Bye Bye Man? It's dumb. It's, it's, a, it's a title for teens, and they love that shit. I'm, I, I'm thinking uh, Slender Man is, like, trademarked, because uh, I think HBO is making a Slender Man Oh, that Man documentary, documentary, yeah. yeah. Uh, but Shut In uh, stars Naomi Watts, Oliver mm-hmm. Platt, 
Uh, oh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the aforementioned Oliver Platt. And also Jacob Tremblay. Who, of room fame. Yeah, who doesn't talk. Uh, he is a deaf mute in this. That is a crime. It's bizarre. So what? what is Shut In about? It's about Nomi Watts, uh, her stepson, uh, and her husband get in a terrible accident. And her husband dies, and her stepson is, is paralyzed. And, oh. And um, some crazy stuff happens. Uh, J- Jacob Tremblay plays a, like I said, a, a deaf mute to uh, Nomi Watts' is kind of, um, uh, I guess, uh, I, I think Nomi Watts is like a psychiatrist. Yeah, she's a psychiatrist. See, I, I, I swear to you, I watched this movie, and I'm trying to remember what it was about. She, she's a psychiatrist helping out Jacob Tremblay. Then he runs away. He comes back, uh, breaks into her house. Uh, she has like these crazy dreams, and Oliver Platt is like her. He plays her psychiatrist, trying to help her out during all this. And then she gets snowed in, and stuff escalates. And I don't know. I, should I ruin Shudden? because it it features one of the dumbest plot twists I have no. seen this year. And it also features... Oh, I'm just going to say this, okay? Um, there's a scene in which I felt really bad for Naomi Watts. Um, she, <laughs> let, me just, let me just describe the scene without spoiling it, okay? She uh, gets naked. No, she, she, she is stripped naked and put in a bathtub and tied up. And okay. To, and to get herself out of the bathtub, uh, she, <laughs> she uh, grabs a bottle of shampoo, puts it on her hand, slips out, and she's also drugged. So she has to swallow the shampoo and vomit, you know, the, uh, the the drugs out of her. And we see this scene in full. Okay, her naked. It happens in real time. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's like, why is she doing this <laughs> for a movie like this? I do not understand it. I feel really poor bad. Naomi Watts. And it, she's like, yeah, it's she's naked and she's vomiting in a toilet. I was like, oh, why, why? She was in uh. she was in Mulholland Drive. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Oh wow, that's a movie. That was a disturbing scene. All in it. Uh, I mean, that was disturbing. That was a disturbing scene in and of itself. So, um, I'm done with Shut In. It's it's not good. It, it has a stupid twist and Naomi catch Watts. it on Netflix. Yeah. Uh, so it rivals the Mulholland Drive as Naomi Watts' best film. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm getting to. <laughs> um, <laughs> Criterion's picking this up. Uh, they're going to release it next year. Shut it's in. her. It's her best performance since matinee. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a thing, right? Yeah, she's in it for like two seconds. Yeah, Wait, really? She plays I've shopping actually, cart lady. I've actually never seen it. Oh, it's terrific! It's one of Joe Dante's best. I've heard that. I've heard such. So I'm excited, and I love Joe Dante. Well, who doesn't? Go. You got two. Good. You got two eyes and a heart, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, things that I love, I was actually able to catch uh, Nocturnal Animals over the weekend, and someone has a new favorite film of the year. Who's that, man? That's me. I do. Uh, Tom Ford uh, has basically done it again. Uh, A Single Man is one of my favorites, and although this is not the same type of story, obviously, uh, I mean, we talked about it last week. Um, I really do love this thing. It's uh, it's got that great uh, like like grit to it uh, during the uh, the uh, the imagination of uh, what's happening in the book. Uh, I feel like a, a film has never gotten reading a good book so well. 
uh, as Tom Ford gets here because uh, I said this in my review, which uh, you can read on TalkFilmSociety.com, uh, that when you're reading a good book, the, re- the real world kind of slips away. And that's what happens with uh, Amy Adams' character in Nocturnal Animals. Uh, she's really engrossed by uh, this manuscript that her first husband has sent her. And she when she then when she goes off into the real world again with her colleagues and you know her husband she's very detached uh can't stop thinking about what's going to happen next uh, in that novel and we talked about it but i mean the novel is about a uh a husband who's seeking revenge for the murder of his his wife and daughter and in it is a detective played by Michael Shannon uh giving what is possibly his best performance i and one of the best performances of the year uh supporting or otherwise i loved him in this uh i want more michael shannon i want him in everything uh this guy for me he can do no wrong i uh this guy he brings like a uh like a, a, any other movie this character would be like one note and you wouldn't really care about him uh but you actually care about uh shannon's character here and uh He's, he's, he makes a great pair with Jake Gyllenhaal. I just love what Tom Ford does uh, with this character. Uh, he sends Gyllenhaal through the ringer, and he comes out uh, giving a great performance. He, he does a great job here. Um, the It's a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Um, yeah, I loved Nocturnal Animals. Uh, it is my favorite film of the year. And I can't wait to see what this man does next. Uh, I just hope I don't have to wait another seven years to see it. Uh, Jamie, have you seen this movie? I have not. I almost caught it at TIFF, but tickets were sold out. Uh, have you seen a single man? Yes, I have. I uh, rem- I haven't seen it in a, in a really long time, but I do remember really liking it a lot. I mean, as, as Matt would say, it's uh, one of the best ever, right? It's top five Matt. Top five Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so it's your number one, right, Matt? It's my number one. And I, I do want to ask you a question, Marcel, because I know up? you've seen this, obviously. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opening credits. Yeah. Did you have any idea what the hell was going on? Uh, I'm assuming that was uh, her art show, right? Yes. Yeah, but uh, in terms of... But they didn't tell you that? They didn't. It's just like, whoa, this is happening. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Uh... Threw, it threw me for a loop, but uh, looking back, I really liked it. <laughs> I, I I just when it was happening I just rode with the punches so I was like okay this is fine this is <laughs> <laughs> I'm like yeah okay all yeah. right what are you where are you going with this I was okay read, I get it now I, I read a tweet that said there is like some anti obese uh, stuff going on in the movie not really not, not not just there but in other parts of the film and I didn't catch that okay I didn't pick up on that at all I just assumed like she was I mean. Uh, do you want to describe the opening scene? It's the opening scene. Like there are, no, I, I, I don't want to spoil it because I, I had no idea. No, it's, so. it's something no, that you yeah. need to see. Yeah, go in yeah. blind. But but I, I didn't catch any of the uh, the fat shaming that you're just you've you've read about. No, no, I, I didn't I didn't catch that either. I just I just, I just assumed that opening sequence was part of her art show and she was just saying something about I don't know America. Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, um, I didn't uh, think I didn't. Yeah, think, I didn't read into that at all. That, I, that, I, I don't mean. No. Yeah, I didn't think it was like some overall theme of the movie uh, where fat people are disgusting. Um, that's too uh, that's too Tumblr for me, Marcelo. <laughs> and also, okay, here here's one level above that. Um, I think like 
okay, Amy Adams' character, who is the artist in, in this, uh, and the opening sequence is her art show. Um, I don't blame her for being so bored because it seems like a too on the nose thing to do uh, to have those people do that in that way, you know. Uh, well, she's not the artist; she just owns the art gallery. Is she not the artist? That, that, that I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't think she is. I think she's just the art gallery owner. Because there is a conversation she has with Jake Gyllenhaal where she's like, "I'm not an artist." She's like, "I, I don't have that in me." And okay, she, I think she's just the art gallery owner. Yeah. Well, I guess I watched a different movie from you, Matt. It's okay. You saw it longer <laughs> ago than I did. It's fine. I guess so. But whatever. But hey, we agree on something. A movie is good. It is. It is. It's pretty good. Uh, hey, hey, Jamie, let me ask you this. Sir. Uh, are you keeping track of your top ten? Like, are you, like, changing it uh, with, like, new films you see? Or do you just or do you just build one at the end of the year? Oh, I uh, I always keep track because uh, that's the best way. That's, the, that's always been the best way for me. What, uh, then what's your number one right now, Jamie? At the moment, my number one is Arrival. Okay, yeah. Ah, that's, yes. That's a pretty good movie. Uh, that's my number three. Yeah. Hmm. A lot of Amy Adams. Yeah. This year. Amy, Adam, yeah. Amy Adams definitely has had quite the year. She's had quite, like, the decade. She's amazing. Very uh, true. Yes, she has. I don't know why she doesn't already have, like, five Oscars under her belt, but that's why. She should life. have had one for The Master. She should have had one for uh, American Hustle. Uh because yeah, I, yeah. Oh. I think okay, I actually thought I, she was I'll really good that, in that. Yeah, I'm not huge on American Hustle personally. What, what, what were you gonna say, Matt? Oh, she should have had one for that and for the bastard. Yeah, for both. Yeah. Okay. Well, and yeah. sunshine cleaning. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was more for Emily Blunt and sunshine cleaning. Huh. Oh, and also, um, Enchanted. Uh, the the uh, not the wrestler. Um, that boxing one with uh, Mark Wahlberg. Fighter? The fighter? The fighter? Yeah. The fighter. Yeah. Yeah, the fighter. So, I just yeah. like saying that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Carl Sagan once desi- described Earth as a big blue dot. I think that's what he said. Uh, tell us about Contact, Jamie. <laughs> you know, things with Contact, I have not even seen this movie since I was like 12 years old. And I remember back then, I just said, eh? And because I'm a bit mixed with uh, I'm a bit mixed with Zemeckis personally because uh, I do love Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Back to the Future, and mm. my uh, feelings about Forrest Gump are not something that I would want to uh, <laughs> I want to let out right on the spot because <laughs> um, uh, I <laughs> I'm sorry, but with Contact I was surprised. When I revisited it after a friend of mine had been begging me to uh, come back for for at least a month already, I said, I thought to myself, this and Arrival would make quite an interesting double feature. And you, you ever thought about oh, that? Oh, I, I agree. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, Contact is one of my favorite uh, Zemeckis films. Uh, it's one of those that if you didn't know he directed it, you might not be able to tell. Um, yeah, you it's, can. It's, it, it's, doesn't, it doesn't really feel so much like uh, something he would uh, he would uh, be putting his name on, but it really works. Uh, it, it really does work. And, uh, I mean, I've read the novel that it's based on. I'm, I'm a 
big believer in what you know Carl Sagan had to say during his lifetime. I've seen mm-hmm. the original you know Cosmos uh, series that he did uh, way back when. Um, <clears throat> I love Jodie Foster in this. I think she uh, gives one of her best performances. Uh, and I actually really like Matthew McConaughey uh, in oh, this. This is back when he was. This is back when he wasn't you know that guy. Um, the guy for romantic comedies. He wasn't the the Lincoln car commercial guy yet. Um, yeah, no, I really like <clears throat> I really like Contact. Uh, I think it's one of the best films of that decade, and and I agree. This would totally make a, a terrific uh, double feature with Arrival, uh, since they both you know they have that same underlying theme of um, of loss and uh, first contact with a uh, an alien race. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it in, like, uh, 15 years, Contact. Oh, wow, okay, yeah. Very long time. I need to re- uh, revisit it, for sure. Well well I worth a revisit. Yeah. Uh, say again, Jamie? Yeah, I definitely would uh, encourage it soon. Yeah. Um, is there a Blu-ray out of it? Yes, there is. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Yep. Uh, I'm glad you're here, Matt, because I... I <laughs> Yeah, no, it, I own it. It's sitting on my shelf right now. Uh, speaking of um, things in crystal clear uh, quality, uh, sure. Uh, so, sorry if I'm interu- sorry to interrupt. So, speaking of Zemeckis, have either of you uh, thought of seeing Allied? Allied, yes. Um, actually, Allied, yeah. I wrote for it. For oh Talk yeah, from Society, and I talked ah, about right. it last week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I. Uh, oh, I guess I was uh, thinking about see- I was thinking about seeing it because I'm. Uh, I'm a bit uh, skeptical when I know Zemeckis handles this sort of material, but I love—I see Marion Cotillard on the big screen. I just think to myself, why not? Yes, Jamie, go uh, uh, go with that. Uh, she is she's very good in Allied. Uh, the kind of Cotillard I enjoy, not the 9/11 truther spouting. Uh, oh, you mean the real life Marion Cotillard? <laughs> yes. The on-screen, I don't care for the real life. The on-screen, like in, in, the in on-screen Cotillard is lovely. Uh, yeah. But I, I think Allied works like uh, pretty well in the spy genre, and the action is is, is pretty good. It's I, yeah, it works on many levels. Um, I don't know uh, if it's like a hit or not in the box office because I'm not, I'm not following that. But I hope it is. I hope people are seeing it because I, I think it, it's a pretty good spy movie. So yeah. Jamie, you should, you should you should check it out. I, uh, and I will, yeah, I will uh, see it when I get an opportunity. Yes, yes, do so. Well, Marcelo, uh, we've reached the halfway point of the show, so tell us <laughs> about <laughs> Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. You planned this out just to say that, didn't you? Actually, I didn't. This is coincidence. <laughs> but yes, or but is. is it? Uh, okay. Um, I saw. This. No, it really is. <laughs> Uh, this has been the week of me seeing movies that people have been saying are bad. Um, <laughs> I saw Rules Don't Apply and Billy Lynn. Um, I mean, last week on the show and online, Matt, on TalkFromSociety.com, you're you're praising the movie. So, and also Rob Trench, I think, praised it. Uh, but, yes. but there are other, there are other people. I mean, just recently that have have said that it's a it's not a good movie. So I was like, okay. I have enough. I have enough to go on me seeing this. Um, there's I enough positive out there. I do remember uh, hearing that people were complaining about the high frame rates. Yeah, uh, I I did not see it in the high frame rate. Well, excuse me. Uh, I I I thought my theater was going to have it, but it didn't end up happening. 
but 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 they ended up playing it in one of the best uh, and biggest screens in my theater, which was which was I was happy about. Um, I mean, it was like the only showtime of that day, and there were like three people in the screening. But uh-huh. I I had a ball. Um, I really like Billy Lynn. Um, it's uh, visually, technically, it's an amazing movie. I wish I had seen it high, in high frame rate. There are definitely Same. there are definitely scenes, sequences, moments in the movie that would have been a lot better in high frame rate. And but would you? Was, uh, uh, go ahead, Matt. Would you agree with what I said last week where even though you didn't see it in high frame rate, have you ever seen a more crisp and immediate picture? Oh yeah, I, I think you're I think you're right. It's it's super like, crisp. Oh my goodness. It's it's to the point and I and I now understand some of the complaints where it's maybe too realistic, too crisp, too clean. Yeah. Um, that it, it takes away from like the film, like the layer of film we're used to, but I think it, that works in the film's favor because it's supposed yeah. to be you know crystal clear in your face, hyper realistic, um, like that's yeah, that it works. Yeah, yeah, that's what Ang Lee's playing with. When characters are talking directly to you, uh, to the camera, uh, and they're like re- it's like an extreme close up of like Vin Diesel or Steve Martin's face. And yeah. it, it is it is supposed to catch you off guard, um, and that and that's what Ang Lee is. Uh, that's like his biggest success in this movie, is that he he creates like this this digital imagery that is supposed to like go beyond the screen and really connect with you on that level. Um, and it and, I mean it works. I was astonished by the the halftime show sequence. Oh my that was god! Tied into the the war sequence. Uh, Having oh my gosh, it was <laughs> again my theater. I saw it on like one of the best screens in that theater. Uh, oh, and where did I see it, Matt? The Alamo Draft House, where dreams yes. are made. <laughs> um, that sequence, the the halftime show sequence and the war sequence, like back to back in the middle of that movie, I was like on. I was on the floor. I it was astonishing. Um, Angley knew exactly what, what he was doing. Um, capturing the visuals of this movie, um, and yeah, it says a lot about. Yeah, he's no fool. No, he's not. He he's smart about technology and how to use it. And again, it's a shame that this didn't reach more theaters in high frame rate because. Oh yeah, Sony dropped the ball here. Like they they they, they hardcore. Was, yeah, it. Like I said earlier, some of these scenes need to be seen in high frame rate. There's like a scene in like a uh, in a army in a uh, army Humvee. That is like uh, very shaky, very very like uh, static. Yeah. Not static, sorry, uh, shaky. Uh, that could have been like cleaned. Um, uh, that could have been easier to see uh, were it for the high frame rates. Because in the standard 24, it's like super blurry. But if it were in high frame rate, it'd be perfect. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a damn shame. That's like my biggest takeaway is I wish I'd seen this in high frame rates. And Angley should be giving should be given all the tools uh, at his discretion uh, to make whatever film he wants next because he's smart about it. I mean, he's he's up to the level of James Cameron at this point. He's proven it with um, Life of Pi and now this uh, one of the purveyors of, of technology that you know all filmmakers should be using today. So yeah, I I'm astonished. Uh, I mean, and, and and going back to the story, I it's it it connected with me. I think you were saying last week how you have never seen a movie tackle. PTSD like this movie has, Matt. Yeah, yeah. And it does so in a way that I wasn't expecting. Like from uh, Vin Diesel's character is is amazing. He's 
he gives oh, a, he's he's terrific in this. He gives a great performance. Like like it's it, it, it this possibly is his best performance. I, I mean, he, I think so. He's really impressive. I think so, man. Because it, it. I mean, I joke. I joke about you know the Iron Giant being his best performance, but this really is his best performance. Yeah, yeah. Because he like he he not only gives like a like a like a great performance, but like his character. Uh, is like the thread that kind of connects the entire film together. So you have to connect with him. You have to like feel something for the character, and Vin Diesel does that. I think it's just like his natural charisma that kind of carries him through. But it works. It's like a, it's a perfect role for him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, looking at it through the eyes of like um, uh, you know, the soldier who gets put like uh, through war. Uh, putting that parallel to the soldiers, like at, at the halftime show, like kind of like selling out and participating in this yeah. like vast, like this horrible cor- facade, yeah, yeah, corporate, you know, wank show. It's <laughs> yeah, powerful, p- p- uh, powerful visuals uh, on each end, and Steve Martin essentially playing Donald Trump is is I mean that that's what that's what makes this uh, that, that's what makes this like one of the films of the year for me. It, it just really captures what America has gone through. Um in a way Ang Lee could only do. So yeah, I love yeah, I can I can say that. I love this movie. Yay. Um, yeah, still thinking about it a few days after, so yeah. I would be seeing it right now, but my theater does, my I doubt my theater even has it in high frame rate. Yeah, I yeah, unfortunately they're they're kind of cutting back on screenings. Uh, it is not a hit, so um, that is too bad. It is too bad. Oh, I, I hope this uh, gets like a um, a good following when it comes out on home video. But even then, you can, same. Yeah, I mean, when you watch it like on Blu-ray, and uh, even if you watch it like on 4K uh, high frame rate, there it'll be hard to replicate that um, that high frame rate experience that Angley wanted. Uh, in you know on on the big screen, so yeah, it's a shame, it's a shame. But hey, uh, who's to blame for that? America's to blame. Sony, <laughs> Sony, and, and people Sony's to blame for anything. Sony, yeah, let's blame Sony, and then the people who didn't go out and see this. Um, sure, yeah, I'll blame, blame Sony. Blame any Sony. chance to any chance to blame the studio, I'll take it. Fine, let's do that. So that was Billy Lynn. Speaking of technology. Um, you saw a movie. I'm assuming it was you, Matt. Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other day I watched uh, the 1982 Disney film uh, Tron, <clears throat> starring a young and very handsome Jeff Bridges uh, as a computer programmer, Kevin Flynn. Uh, I, as I talked about it last week, I watched the sequel, and for some reason, yeah, I watched these out of order, but who cares? Screw you. I'll watch movies however I want. There's no rules. The rules don't apply, Marcelo. <laughs> um Seriously though, I I've, I grew up watching this thing. I really like it. Uh, Jeff Bridges is great as Kevin Flynn. Uh, Bruce Boxleitner is awesome as uh, Tron. Uh, David Warner plays an awesome villain uh, in anything he does. I mean, <clears throat> if anyone's seen Titanic, he plays uh, you know uh, Billy Zane's henchman there, and uh, he's uh, a lot of fun. He's a uh, he's. Uh, 
I mean, he's he's really great uh, in this. He plays uh, Ed Dillinger, that lead, uh, the head of the company, uh, who's basically you know embezzling funds, and his computer program is going to take over the world. So you know, hey, Kevin Flynn needs to get sucked into the world of Tron and uh, stop the master control program. Uh, it's a movie that doesn't make sense. Uh, plot lines, you know, they come and go. It's basically just a really fun vehicle for uh, adventure and uh, some at the time groundbreaking visual effects. Uh, they don't hold up as well. I mean, the CG is extremely primitive. Um, thanks to Rocky for uh, Rocky Juarez, writer for our site and uh, co-host of yours on the Colorado Street Podcast for informing me that the original Pixar team, before they were even Pixar, uh, actually worked on the, on this uh, first Tron film, uh, yeah. which, yeah, that's pretty oh, freaking cool. And, uh, yeah, Tron's awesome. Uh, it looks – it's it's very pretty. Um uh, the score by Wendy Carlos uh, is phenomenal. It's a mix of uh, of a full orchestra with synthesizers, um, and uh, music fans, uh, for film scores at least, will know her as the composer for uh, The Shining and Clockwork Orange. She was uh, she was a very close collaborator with um, with Stanley Kubrick, and uh, yeah, Wendy Carlos's uh, score here is is terrific. It really evokes the mood. Uh, this movie, uh, it's awesome. Tron rules. And like I said last week, I just love this world so much. And uh, plus, any movie that gives me a uh, shirtless young Jeff Bridges for a extended period of time, yes, please. I'm down yeah. for that anytime. <laughs> so that's my thoughts on Tron. You haven't seen either Tron, Jamie? No, I've seen both of them. I've seen, okay. I've seen Tron Legacy in theaters, and that was quite an experience. Yeah. So that... I, I wasn't the I wasn't the hugest fan of the movie itself, but it was uh, it was still fun just watching in theaters. And Daft Punk's score, Daft Punk, I oh, that, their I'm score just... is uh, next level. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh yeah, um, I, I it, it's been a while since I've seen the original Tron. Uh, I think I saw the it. Same from... here. I think I saw it uh, for the first time before Tron Legacy, just to catch up. Okay, nice. Um, but yeah, I, it, uh, uh, I need to like your your thoughts last week, Matt, about Tron Legacy. Like, I, I would I would really want to watch that again. Um, yeah, uh, it's good double feature. Just watch both of them. <laughs> yeah, I should. Um, uh, I, Dis- Disney was really onto something back then with uh, their live action films. I mean, two years previous, you had uh, the Black Hole uh, with Anthony Perkins, and uh, that was a really cool, uh, high concept sci fi movie using a lot of special effects. And they basically just rolled in- that into uh, Tron, which uh, which I prefer. I prefer Tron to the Black Hole. I mean, the Black Hole's fun. It's a nice throwback to, like, you know, 50s science fiction movies. Uh, but Tron is on another level. Yeah, awesome. Um, uh, so there you go, Tron. Uh, fill your Jeff Bridge, Jeff Bridges hole with Tron. Ew, what? I was trying to close off that segment, but I couldn't Jesus Christ. Anything. Put your shirt on. If you're craving more Jeff Bridges... There you go. There you uh, go. Uh, Jessica Chastain. Yeah, she's pretty. I saw two Chastain movies this past week. What'd you see? Uh, her first and her most recent. Oh, from first to last. What'd you watch? Yeah. <laughs> her first uh, feature film. Um, her her debut uh, is called Jolene, um, where she plays Jolene. Oh. It's a weird movie. 
That's the first okay, thing I'll Okay, tell me all about it. What's it about? Oh, I don't want to tell you all about it. It just seems exhausting to do so because uh, it, it, it boils down to Chastain playing this, this girl who, who's, who's like 15 years old when she gets married uh, to this like uh, like 18-year-old. Uh, okay. It's, it, it's, okay, it starts there. Then she has uh, an affair with her husband's uncle. Uh, played okay. by played by the very creepy Dermot Mulroney. Oliver Platt. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, Dermot Mulroney. Okay. I wish no. Um, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, the movie starts off as seedy and continues to be kind of seedy. Uh, yeah, seedy is the right word. It, it's not really sexy. It's just kind of creepy because yeah, Chastain it's like starts grimy. Off, yeah, grimy. It's almost like a like a Skinamax movie. Um, that's nice that, reference. Yeah, that, that's where it starts. Okay, and it kind of continues on to her being locked up in this psych ward, where she falls in love with uh, her her keeper, uh, who is a woman. So then they have a lesbian affair, um, and then after that, she... who's typing? <laughs> it's Jamie. Sorry, that's me. Stop typing. <laughs> <laughs> and then after the, her lesbian love affair, she runs away again. Um and she what, what what does she do next? Oh, she falls in love with this tattoo artist, uh, where she gets uh, married to him. They have an affair. Then she he turns out to be like a drug dealer, and then she runs away again and falls in love with Michael Vartan, uh, who if you don't know, he was on Alias for a, a while. He I think he's in um he's in the movie. He's in old school maybe. I don't know. Look at Michael Vartan. Uh, he he's a jerk. They have a kid. Then she runs away again, and that's that's basically the movie. She runs away like six times and falls in love with like many many guys. She, so she trying, just keeps loving people. Yeah, she keeps she keeps loving people. Oh, uh, Chaz Palminteri is one of the lovers. So there you go. It's 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 weird. I mean, as it progresses, it becomes less and less seedy and more and more serious, especially in like the final chapter where things get really heavy. Uh, but yeah, man, it's it's a weird movie. But one thing I can say is Chastain is is a trem- it, it it's a great start for her. It, it really shows off like her 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 versatileness. Like she plays like the the young girl. She plays a mother. She plays a stripper. Literally, she plays a stripper in the movie. She goes through all of these like character like tropes, like these these female character tropes. All in one movie, and then at the very end, and this is kind of a spoiler, but it's it's Jolene. The very end, she ends up in Hollywood, where like her final little monologue is her saying, "Oh, I'm gonna be like a great actress, and come back and you know shove it in everybody's face." And she's kind of like glammed up, and she looks like the Chastain we know today, which is kind of weird going into the next movie, the next Chastain movie, so which was Miss Sloan. Ooh, I really want to see this. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's it's it turns out to be like a pretty good double feature from like her start to like now like both leading roles and like years apart. But really, it's like it's it's still her being amazing. So she she is. When first is of, she not amazing? I know, like she's she's always amazing, but like her in leading roles, like. We need more of that, okay? We we haven't gotten that too often recently. Like, yeah, she's been in. The Martian, Interstellar, but she's she was she wasn't like the lead. Like her being in the lead uh, now makes 2016 you know a, a little tiny bit better. Okay, a little bit. It helps. A tiny bit. 
So in Miss Sloan, she plays a lobbyist who uh, at first is working for this big firm, but then when like this gun control bill comes along, and her firm's like, "Hey, you know, take care of this lo- take care of this gun bill, and and you know, push it to- through Congress." She says no, and she moves to another firm, a smaller firm, where she is uh, is is opposing like the gun bill. And then things get crazy from there. It, it's kind of like um, Nightcrawler mixed in with like Michael Clayton. Okay, like, I'm sold. But you, know, you don't not, have to describe anything else. Not as great as those, Matt. But it's it's along those lines. Again, okay. I think, I think in this movie, like Jolene, like it's all about Chastain. Like she, it, in every scene she's in, she carries it, rightfully so. Uh, Miss Sloan has like some twists and turns, and it works for the most part. But yeah, it's it's a little. Little boring, kind of. There's a, a, a monologue at the very end of Miss Sloan that's kind of like, okay, it goes on for maybe too, a bit too long. And yeah, you know the drama with like, uh, there's not much, you know, high high stakes drama in like lobbyist, you know, you know, political films like this. So they really try to make these make things interesting, and it kind of stretches reality just a tiny bit. But overall, I liked it. I like Miss Sloan. It, I mean, like I said, it, it's a, if you want like a great Jessica Chastain vehicle, there you go. See um, Miss Sloan and Jolene. I don't. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a good little Ch- Chastain artifact, yeah. I guess. It, it, it shows off her 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 early abilities, and uh, it's it's a weird movie. So it's a, it's just to see what she, just so we can get an idea of what she's developing into. Yeah, it's it, it's a nice like peek into her like her her capabilities yeah it shows off what she can do but the story itself in jolene is like i said it's it's like seedy it's creepy then it gets heavy the tone is all over the place um yeah so that was my week this past week seeing jolene and miss sloan essentially like back to back um uh chastain double feature that's that that turned out to be pretty good so there you go much excite yeah i say yeah i say go see miss sloan should be good. Uh, hey, speaking of red. Oh, well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jamie watched a uh, a little known uh, Terrence Malick film. Uh, no one's ever heard of this one. Yeah, what you watch? Li- the Thin Red Line. Oh yeah, that one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did it just for Terrence Malick's birthday, and I was gonna watch either that or The Tree of Life because I haven't watched The Tree of Life in such a long time, and I. But uh, I just went with the Thin Red Line once again, since that's my favorite of his movies. And Same here. Let me just say this. Uh, if I were to talk... Yeah, I know uh, lots of people want to uh, say- declare a competition between this and Saving Private Ryan, since both came out during the same year and were both oh, yeah, nominated yeah. for Oscars at the same time. But I feel like um, because Saving Private Ryan is so easily on the American side of the war... In the Thin Red Line, we have something else because it doesn't really establish whose side every soldier is fighting on, and that's what I love. That's what I love about the Thin Red Line because you because you don't know who with whom said soldier is fighting for. It just uh, leaves a more universal effect than say Saving Private Ryan. And plus, those uh, sequences in the forest, tell me those are not some of the most gorgeous, some of the most gorgeous uh, scenes that have ever been put on film, because... Oh, they're absolutely beautiful. Well, it's what you expect out of Terrence Malick. I just... 
if whether no matter what you say about uh, his films, you just cannot deny the beauty in the cinematography of his work. I just can't see how that's possible. Yeah, yeah this yeah. Uh, this is. A- Go ahead, Matt. Uh, this, I was going to say, this is actually my also my favorite uh, Terrence Malick uh, picture. I really love this. I love how it's such um, it's such a soulful look at war and how it affects these soldiers on an individual level. Um, like we were talking about with Rules Don't Apply before, the cast here is crazy. Uh, people show up for, you know, a couple minutes here and there, and they do great work. And I just, I really love... Uh, I've, I think I've said this on the show before, but this has one of my favorite scenes in a war film. Uh, it's during one of the firefights uh, where guns are going off left and right. Oh yeah, that. And then, um, then Malik, then Malik cuts to a baby bird that had fallen out of a tree, and it's like struggling to live. And every time I see that scene, I've seen this film about three times. Uh, I just break down, and I can't, I can't handle that scene. It's, it's just so moving and beautiful. Uh, and it, it really does get to me. I, I love this film. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it's an amazing movie, which I have to rewatch. Um, in my in my attempted Malick ranking, it, it's kind of lower. Although I love everything I've done. Um, I, I mean everything he's done. Well, <laughs> I, I, I haven't done anything. Uh, How you doing, Terry? Didn't know we could actually have you on the show. I thought you were very reclusive. I could, I could get him on. He lives in Austin, so uh, uh, apparently he frequents um, Vulcan Video, um, the, the the video oh, that's shop awesome. in Austin. So, uh, yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, I, I, this is kind of low on on my uh, on my Malik ranking, but I still love it. What's just, uh, what's the highest for you, Marcelo? Tree of Life. That's at the is it top. Because just, okay. Oh, because of Jessica Chastain. I mean, it's not the main reason. I mean, it's <laughs> it's one of the reasons. It's well, one of the reasons. It it's, could be one. Yeah, it, it's an incredible film. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love Malik. Uh, need to rewatch Thin Red Line uh, as loud as possible, as Malik says. Uh, he says to do that, so you have to listen to him. You you must. Um, so let's move on. Um, real quick, I'm going to make this super quick. Super quick. Because we uh, did talk about this when it came out. Yeah, but I'll just mention pi- this. Uh, this uh, pimp your article. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pimp my article. Uh, don't Breathe. Uh, I, I, I rewatched that to write an article for TalkFromSociety.com. Um, I, I just want to talk about the way I saw it. I watched Don't Breathe and Panic Room at the same time. Uh, oh my god, yes. At, at the same time. Not not back to back, but at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And I do go, I do go into it. I think you know. I just realized when I post up these podcast episodes on the site, I should also link to the articles we talk about. You know, get more hits. I, I oh, most believe, definitely. I can't believe I didn't do that before, but now I'm going to make sure to do that now. Um, so if you're on our page, you can click to the article and, and see what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, I watched them side by side because I wanted to rewatch both, but I felt like. First off, I didn't have enough time, so I feel like why not just watch them side to side on my computer? Why not do that? <laughs> that's a way to that's a way to multitask. Yeah, it was a a a crazy experience because I, I lined it up almost like this was supposed to happen, almost like um, uh, um, Pink Floyd's "The Wall" and um, no, not 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 the wall. What's what's the one with? It's uh, Dark Side of the Moon Dark and uh, the Wizard of Oz. Wizard of Oz. It's, it was almost like that, Matt. Uh, I, I synced them up, uh, starting at like a push-in, uh, Panic Room, 
Jodie Foster and uh, Jane Levy on uh, Don't Breathe. There's a push in on those two characters. Um, I don't have the time codes. Go, I mean, if you have both movies, do this and see if this works for you, like it did for me. But early on in the film, we're introduced to him with like a push in. Uh, the camera, the camera moves in on him. Starting from there, like certain scenes lined up. Like both movies have scenes in kitchens. Uh, up into like the break-ins in both movies, they like kind of scarily lined up, like it was like you know, like uh, like uh, Freddy Alvarez like planned this all out. It's insane. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy thing. Um, uh, uh, later, I might like actually make a video project where I I, I put this together. It, it won't be like the entire film because it kind of falls apart. Uh, at the end, because "Don't Breathe" is much shorter than "Panic Room," so it doesn't all uh, yeah. line up. But uh-huh. it it was great to see the visuals of each, how they match up. Of course, Freddie Alvarez uh, admits in interviews that "Panic Room" was an influence, and it's clear there, absolutely. Uh, the, the 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 two films share uh, the the two films share a cinematic language, absolutely. So yeah, it was an interesting watch of those two movies. I've never done I've never done that before. I probably won't do that again. But do it yeah. again. I don't know what else I could do it with, though. It, it because I don't know. It, it, I, I go into it in the article. There's there are a lot of similarities between the two movies. It's it's nuts. So I think that was maybe the only time I'll do it because uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll do like Vertigo and um, Body Double. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Maybe maybe that's a good pairing. I was going to say Vertigo and Mulholland Drive. Oh, that one too. Yeah. So, let's. So yeah, that's all, that's all I want to say. Check out that "Don't Breathe" article I wrote. Um, it's terrific. It is good, uh, Matt. Let's keep going because I see that you have to leave soon. Soon. <laughs> so uh, we're dropping one topic and heading towards the end. Uh, Speaking of Terrence Malick, I watched the Coen Brothers' "Hail Caesar." It has an exclamation point at the end, so you have to be loud when you say it. Uh, I'm finally, yeah, I finally saw Hail Caesar. And uh, what does this have to do with Terrence Malick, you say? Well, he visited the set one day and had lunch with the directors. That's a, that's, that's a thing, that's a thing that happened. He showed up unannounced. Uh, anyway, yeah, I finally picked up uh, Hail Caesar. It was on sale on Black Friday. I think the Blu-ray was like $8 at Best Buy. So, hell yeah, I got Hail Caesar. Wait, it, um, Hail Caesar for $8? How did I miss that? It, what? Uh, I don't know, but it was $8 at Best Buy. I 8 or 9 something like that. Oh, well, anyway. Uh, either way, it's way less than its normal price. Uh, I loved this thing, uh, mainly because I'm a sucker for movies about movies and movies that tackle uh, the movie industry uh, of that era, of any era, basically. I, I love this. Um, Brolin is great as a uh, studio fixer. Uh, back in the in the fifties, uh, basically solving any problem that the studio would have, and their big problem is that their big star Baird Whitlock, uh, played by George Clooney, uh, goes missing. He's kidnapped, and um, I really appreciated the fact that George Clooney is always in his uh, Roman Emperor outfit. Uh, that made me smile beyond belief. Uh, this is a very strange film. Uh, it goes places that I was not expecting. 
but I really appreciated uh, where it went. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is terrific in her short appearance here. Uh, I really like her. Her her um, rough and tumble voice that she uses is great. Uh, Tilda Swinton playing twin sisters uh, made me laugh out loud. I uh, can't get enough of that, of uh, the serious journalist and the gossip columnist uh, as the two twins. Um, uh, we talked I about... I had no idea that she was playing twins before I even saw the movie. I just saw the first <laughs> Spoiler. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and the guy uh, who was in Rules Don't Apply, uh, Ald, Alden Enric, I'll Aaron learn to say his... Aaron? Yeah. I think yeah, I'll learn to say his name uh, yeah, eventually. Uh, really great in this, uh, playing, um, playing basically a country bumpkin type guy who gets uh, thrown into a prestige picture for one reason or another, another and leads to one of the funniest exchanges in movies this year uh, where Ray Fiennes, the director, is trying to uh, teach him how to say his lines. And, uh, yeah, we couldn't stop laughing at that part either. Um, I really like this one. I like how it uh, tackles the studio system of the time and it also brings in uh, pretty serious elements uh, like uh, the communist blacklist uh, that was going on in, in during the era uh, this is great. This is top tier uh, Coen Brothers for me. Uh, it's one of my favorite films of the year. Uh, it's it's downright hilarious. And if v- listeners haven't seen it, uh, like I hadn't until recently, please give it a shot. Please go see it. Uh, I don't think you'll be dis- disappointed. It's uh, it's great. Yeah, I'm glad you finally saw it, Matt. Um, <laughs> It was nice to see them uh, going back to this topic after Barton Fink. Oh, have you seen that one, Matt? I have not. I have not. You have not seen Barton Fink at all? Yeah, I know, you, I know. Matt, like, that's, a, that's one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies right there. <laughs> I will get to it one day, don't worry. You better. <laughs> I I'll think be uh, you, Matt. Honestly, I think my next Coen Brothers is probably going to be Miller's Crossing, because I haven't seen that one yet either. Yeah, oh, that, oh, that's yeah. a good one. That one's, that one's amazing as well. Um... I mean, I think they're all amazing for me, except like four of their movies. So which four, though? Um, I think for me, it's going to be Hutzucker Proxy, The Lady oh, Killers. I, like I mean, I like them, but they're not like amazing. I mean, yeah. so Hutzucker Proxy, Lady Killers. Um, oh my God, what is that one? I, we had this conversation, I think, last week or Intolerable week. Cruelty. Yeah, that's that's one. But the one I'm thinking of is the one with Billy Bob Thornton, Black and White. The man oh, uh, wasn't there. The man yeah, so those four I didn't really connect with. I liked them, but eh, they're the ones I think they're I think they're amazing. So yeah, I'm glad you finally saw Hail Caesar. Um, oh my god, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it so much yeah. and uh, gorgeous uh, cinematography by uh, uh, Roger Deakins, uh, oh, the yeah, god of right. cameras. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's another movie that he won't win an Oscar for, but hey, that's fine. Oh well, oh well. He uh, should have won one. He should have won one many. Anytime. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like fifteen times he should have won exactly. an Oscar. But hey, they they don't like him for some reason. Did he run over like the Academy president's dog once? Uh, is that what happened? May, may, uh, maybe. maybe that's what. Yeah, that's what happened. I guess that's what happened with Robert Altman. <laughs> yeah, that happened too. Jesus. Maybe they just they assume stop letting their dogs out. They assume he he has like three already. Maybe I don't know. They just they just don't know. They're like, ah, he's got to have a bunch, right? <laughs> anyway. Um, so on that sad note of Roger Deakins but yes Oscar 
Hail, hail Caesar. Yes, good. I'm, That's I'm, my box quote. Hail, hail Caesar. I you love know, that. One, one last thing. There's one movie um, that I think you haven't seen yet, Matt, that is kind of similar to Hail Caesar. It came out earlier this year by one of the best directors out there right now. Um, you haven't seen Everybody Wants Some yet, right, Matt? No, not yet. No, no. Okay. I want to. I own it. Watch that next. Uh, we have plans to watch it very soon. Yeah. Um, because once you get once you have those two covered, you pretty much have like the best films like of the first half of the year pretty much covered. Um, yeah, and what were they thinking putting this out in Jan- in February? I don't know. I mean, for for both movies, for everybody wants them and Hail Caesar. Yeah, it's like we got off. We 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 kicked off t- 2016 with like two of the best movies. Yeah, but I will say that um, I am very excited to watch oh. uh, everybody. Everybody oh. wants some. Uh, mostly because uh, earlier today it was revealed that it was on John Waters' uh, top ten films oh, of the year, right. yes. and that always gets me excited to see things. <laughs> yes, John Waters. Uh, Krisha was his number one, and uh, yes. me and Rocky had the I pleasure. Still need to see Krisha. Yeah, me and Rocky on our uh, Colorado Street podcast uh, podcast, we had uh, the producer of Krisha on, and we talked about. Oh, that's the awesome! Movie. Yeah, with him. So, wow. I, yeah, I'm glad that that, that uh, John Waters recognized that movie. It's a small little movie made by, um, you know, some small up and coming filmmakers. Um, so yes, go. they are very short. <laughs> They're small, small up and coming. They're very short. Uh, Four foot two. You can't even see the guy. Anyway, can't ride most roller coasters. Sad. Uh, and on that, it sounded a bit like Donald Trump right there. <laughs> Wrong. And, and with uh, <laughs> with mention of the worst person in history, uh, I think we can end the show. Matt, I was gonna say Matt. <laughs> Matt, thanks. For, <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming on. <laughs> hey, anytime, Jamie. It's only my job. <laughs> Jamie, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure being here. I've never been more. I've never been more nervous for a for a few hours. Period. So yeah, it's fine. I'm glad we could keep you on your toes. Yeah, but I hope you had a. But I hope you had a good time. Yeah, I hope you had. A good oh, time. I definitely did. It was a pleasure being here. Before we go, before we let you go, plugs. Uh, where can we find you online? Me? Yes, you, Jamie. Oh, uh, oh, you can find me over on Letterbox. Uh, you can find me over on Letterbox, and I have a WordPress blog. Uh, jamiesfilmthoughts.wordpress.com There you go. Follow him there. Uh, Matt, hey, what about you? As usual, you can find me on Twitter, at TheRealMattC, and you can find me on Letterboxd under the same name to make sure I'm not lying about what movies I've seen. Uh, You can also find me uh, rousing up a whole bunch of great content for everyone on TalkFilmSociety.com, where I am the uh, managing editor. Yes. And I'm uh, a contributing and I'm a contributing writer. Yes. Yes. Uh, make sure uh, here are my plugs. Make sure take. Uh, oh fucking god! Uh, can you hear that dog <laughs> barking? I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's it's super hear. annoying. I'll, I'll I'll don't worry, listeners. I am paying I'm, it no mind. I'm gonna edit that out later. Um, as for me, plugs. Yes, talkfromsociety.com. Um, why don't you? I mean, uh, we 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 dropped this topic for a time, but uh, Jamie, you wrote something for a talk from society covering uh, Punch Drunk Love. So read that, folks. Oh yes, I did. Yes, yes, uh, I did. Uh, read that; it's a very good article. Uh, and what else do I have? Follow me on Twitter at Marcelo J Pico for classy pics of <laughs> of not Jessica Chastain because Trump won the election. Uh, also, podcast galore. <laughs> Uh, this one, the uh, the podcast where it happens, the Hamilton podcast, that's coming back. We're going to be discussing 
Moana and Drunk History and the new Hamilton mixtape. So that's going to be a jam-packed episode. Um, and that's it, folks. I forgot to plug my Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Jamie here. <laughs> I'm glad you got that in. There you go. Yeah. Follow him there. Matt, it's been a hell of a show. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, before we go, we have to do our signature catchphrase. So long, and thanks for all the fish. Thanks for listening, folks, and keep on watching. Oh, yeah, that one. Disagree, cause the only guarantee is I'll see a lot of you and you'll see a lot of me. And it's absolutely certain that we'll see a lot of you.